0: What happens when Mary Jane meets Venom? Find out in today's episode of the Classy Comics Podcast. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Welcome back. Well, we covered so much backstory in our previous episode, we only got to the first two issues in the uh, Venom Experiment trade. So we're going to cover the uh, next five in this review. The middle story, The Venom Experiment, uh, sees Jerry Conway transitioning off the book with Ryan Stegman becoming the main writer for the series from issue nine on. It focuses on Mary Jane and the pressure she's dealing with, not only as a superheroine, but also as a mother, wife, and business owner. And the feeling that uh, she's endangering her husband through the use of the Regent Tech which essentially has her draining from Spider-Man's powers uh, during battle for her to get her own. When Liz Allen, Harry Osborn's ex-wife, gives Mary Jane the Venom symbiote, it's an offer she can't refuse. Uh, Now, positives, I do like the focus on uh, Mary Jane and her conflict. It's interesting and it's something a lot of female readers uh, in particular can relate to. I also thought it was good to uh, point out the obvious shortcomings of the uh, Regent Tech and to take that head on. What doesn't work about the story? I think the way that the effects of the Venom symbiote on Mary Jane are shown can be a bit silly. In what some ways, and at some moments, it seemed like she was incredibly hyperactive. It was like a 1980s or 1990s sitcom about the dangers of using uh, diet pills. I also felt the arc here was too short. We get two issues dedicated to Mary Jane and the uh, symbiote. And so we cycle really quickly through all the stages of that, of her uh, getting the symbiote, of her finding out the benefits of the symbiote, and then discovering its dark side. And I think with something like the symbiote, it would make sense to play this out over more issues, and you could get into more exploring the differences in how the symbiote works with her as opposed to how it worked with Peter and Eddie Brock, as well as lengthening the stages where... Uh, she has some time where she's really enjoying it and seeming to thrive. And then the hints of the dark sides come in. That works better. It's more effective. I think uh, the most effective uh, symbi- version of the symbiote story I've ever seen was on the show Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man, where they took four episodes to really draw that out. And I think that could have helped here. It also has a bit of a silly ending. I I try to avoid spoilers as much as possible. Uh, Though for issues in the middle of the book, it almost can't be helped. But she does overcome the symbiote through uh, the power of her will because girl power. I, I guess that's as good an explanation as I can come up with for it. Positive female role models, women achieving things are great things to portray in comics. But if you don't want it to be a joke, you don't do things like that, where she's able to just magically do something that no one else is able to do in the way she defeats the symbiote and manages to master it. Now, I mentioned in the last episode that... I. Thought that there was a problem with Spidey being too weak. Some I think have taken that criticism a bit further. Uh, for example, in one issue he compliments her when she takes all of his power and uses it to throw a subway car at uh, Mysterio to defeat him, and he compliments her on that, and says maybe he should be the one to quit because quote unquote. I've never taken anyone out by throwing a freaking subway car. I think that actually does show um, growth in his character and not weakness. Uh, he's, uh, I think, wiser and humbler after years of marriage having a 10-year-old. And he's also trying to be supportive of his wife as she tries to do this, uh, particularly when she's in a moment where she feels like quitting. I also think as much as, and I pointed to the problem with the regency tech, there, or regent tech, excuse me, uh, there is a way in which it actually does make sense. Because for most battles, if you're dealing with, say, a gang, would you rather have one person with the strength of 50 people or two people who each have the strength of 25? The problem is, in the early going of her superhero career, Mary Jane doesn't quite have the discipline and mastery of her emotions and the tech, so she doesn't totally drain uh, Peter when she gets excited, and that's understandable. Uh, I should also say I do like the look of the Venom costume on her. It's got a a feeling kind of like the Julia Carpenter uh, Spider-Woman costume from the 1990s. Very classic, very classy. Still, uh, this this arc had some problems. But the next one was actually really good. It was a one-shot that sets the stage for the final two issues, and it's A Day in the Life of an Osborne. And it focuses on Normie Osborne, grandson of Norman Osborne and son of Harry Osborne, who has gotten emancipated at a young age of 10 and is running uh, the family business. Which is implausible, but this is a comic book. Earlier issues back in the first volume kind of focused on him as this sort of uh, creepy scheming villain. Kind of like the baby from Family Guy, I guess. Here you get a more sympathetic uh, look at him. He still has some evil schemes he's trying to hatch, but there's a lot of hurt uh, behind that as he goes to a birthday party and is missing out on the real love of family and given a lot of insincerity by the people who work at OzCorp. There's some funny parts in it, too, and it features a visit from the lizard, and, of course, uh Spider-Man and Annie, a.k.a. Spiderling, uh show up at the end of the book. It's got some great emotional moments, and it sets the momentum for the final story arc. The Curse of the Green Goblin is the concluding story, and it finds... Normie's evil plan comes to fruition as he kidnaps Annie and six a giant Green Goblin superpower-stealing robot on the city, and it's up to Spider-Man and Mary Jane to save their child, and all of New York while they're at it. This is a really fun uh, two issues. It's got great action. We get to see Spider-Man get in some great licks, and uh, the robot is fun, and also the X-Men come by to try and help. Action doesn't end up saving the day, however. It's ultimately Annie's nature and her willingness to reach out. And she proves that even though she's nine, she's already got the heart of a hero. It's a beautiful story with a nice ending and it does uh, end with a flash forward actually and sets the stage for a new creative team that will take uh, the spider family eight years later with Annie now aged to uh, age 17. I think that is a move that makes sense because as long as you're dealing with a nine-year-old, there are limits to what you can do in a story. Someone who is nearly adult, an adult offers more storytelling opportunities and can be a more equal part of the team. I will say this issue, contain, uh, this story actually contains the one uh, element that I think would make this not necessarily a family friendly book. Or I should say kid friendly perhaps, uh, with a scene of a, a corporate board uh, having just all been killed. It's not the bloodiest scene you'll see in comics, but it is probably the one part in this book that parents do want to be advised of. Overall, I still really enjoyed this book. Probably the biggest problem with it is that this particular run ended way too soon. And I think there was an editorial mandate for uh, Marvel and there was a deadline for when they had to get this resolved so the new creative team could take over with their new direction. And I think that hurt the book unusual because I think uh, comic books probably have a tendency more towards dragging stories out longer than they need to be, but this is one of those books that goes the opposite direction. Ideally, the Mary Jane and Venom story should have been at least four issues, and we should have had three issues of something else in between uh, the final three issues that were included in this book it would have allowed more room for pacing and character development. That said, I still think this is a classy comic. Despite its flaws, it's about characters that are truly likable, heroic, and noble, trying to do the right thing. It's Spider-Man, never being afraid of growing up or moving forward, but embracing his responsibilities. And it's a rising superhero and finding her first steps. So, overall, I really enjoyed it. I hope uh, if you read it, you enjoy it as well. We'll be back next time with another episode of the Classy Comics uh, Podcast. If you do have a comment, email it to me at classycomicsguy at gmail.com. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.